welcome to the 33rd episode of Slime Time SideQuest, an official Dragon's Den podcast. This is Platy M3. And this is Yangus the Legendary Bandit. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold up. It's likely that many legendary... No, no. Hold up as in stop. I want to put a stop to this before it even starts. You just said stop, and that's kind of the point we got going tonight. No, no, no. Stop. Halt. Cut. We're not repeating intros for like the third or fourth time. It's not really repeating because I didn't even say penultimate. Although I probably should have because Blue Star's right. We definitely need to do a Dark Cloud episode before we end this. Yeah, don't care. I know where you're going with all of this, and I'm putting into it right now. Because, my dear Platinum friend, when one ending happens, it can lead to new beginnings. And one such beginning is that I've got a game to play with you before we start the episode tonight. A game? Dude, that's not the time to be playing games. we got to discuss games. Oh, but plenty. This game has been going on for a few days already. Heck, it started right when we recorded the first part of this two-parter. Uh, how could you have been playing something that night? You were busy typing two pages worth of notes while we were recording last time. No, 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 no. It wasn't a physical game like that. Or, excuse me. It wasn't playing a game like that way. You know, not a physical game, but a guessing game. I've been dropping hints on the Dragon's Den forums as to what it was I was going to be playing next. Uh, well... I mean, I know you were trying to beat Fire Emblem Three Houses. You've been, you know, bumming around on that for years and not finishing it. Oh, that's true. But it was when I started posting about being near the end that I began to subtly put in hints as to what I was going to play next. Maybe if I um, say a few of my posts aloud and pick out a few parts, uh, you, you'll pick up on um, what I was hinting at here. Okay. <clears throat> So from this first one, I really, really, really hope the chapter I'm on right now is indeed the final one because I'm ready to move on to another game on my PS4. Could be a gambit to hope for three houses to end, but please, game, I want to get this off the limbo list. There's your, there was your first hint. Did you pick? Did you're you pl- notice anything in there? Uh, there's a game you're playing in limbo. Not quite. Let me read the. Is that like a movement game where you gotta like? do limbo with like the Wii motes and everything like limbo 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 no limbo. but i think they had i <laughs> i think they had one of those when the Wii fit board was still around <laughs> i don't doubt it <laughs> <laughs> but um here let me uh read the second clue here for you <clears throat> this is actually one that i quoted you on uh the other night once i had beaten uh three houses let's see mm-hmm. you had said rich vegetation does not usually lead to intestinal gas that wind ain't no joke Ireland responded with, yeah, it was starting to feel like a real gambit if I was actually going to finish it this time. Finally, freaking 12 times later, I'm starting it on and off on my Switch. Victory was achieved. Mm, gambit. Gambit. Is that like a horse in uh, your Red Dead Redemption 2? You restarting that or something? Here, Gambit. Good boy, Gambit. Nope. But there was another hint in there. Maybe you noticed something in that uh, last sentence I said. Oh, go ahead and repeat that one more time. All right. Finally, freaking 12 times later of starting it on and uh, off on my Switch. I think that goes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, let that. Please tell me this is a dark off. fantasy. Oh, dark fantasy. Something that should have been finalized 11 episodes earlier. Yes, I Final feel fantasy. the hatred. I feel the oh. hatred flow through you. Yes. I got a pen in my hand. I got to snap it in half thinking good. about that game. Good, oh. good. Let Final Fantasy 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
uh, game that yes, freaking played itself. Yep, and you aren't kidding on that either. From what I've played for for battles, you just kind of pick an action and they just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I uh, just for a quick little aside here before that, um, and I'm sure for anyone who's a longtime listener, you might know that Platy's really not a fan of Final Fantasy XII. Well, I've been on a bit of a kick now where I would want to go back and uh, finish off some of the games that I have not played yet from the series after marathon some Kirby games I never played through a little while ago. And I ended up finding the PS4 version of twelve um, called the Zodiac Age for like 20 bucks brand new. So I decided that was going to be my first stepping stone because I've been uh, wanting to play something on my PS4 and uh, figured I'd play a little guessing game with our dear Platinum friend because I know just, just how much that game gives him that warm, fuzzy feeling inside. <laughs> if there's any fuzz, it's the mold that's growing on my copy of it. <laughs> like thrown so, thrown into a trash can and never touched again. So you still have it somewhere in your house? I didn't think you kept any of your games, Platy. That's surprising. Yeah, I just mailed that one straight to hell. <laughs> it's still burning <laughs> down there, probably. Nice it's crispy golden brown. Yep. <laughs> All right, uh, well, I'm going to put the fact that you're playing that game behind me. And uh, I guess similarly to that tonight, uh, the podcast basically going to play itself because, hey, Yangus, you and I talked about our favorite video games endings last time. That's right, we did. Uh, tonight we have a quartet of guests to share their favorite video game endings. Joining me for the first time, but returning after getting lucky in March, it's Lendar. Hey, and uh, yeah, we need to do a Dark Cloud episode. Please. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, joining SideQuest for the first time after making his Slime Time debut just last week with Pendy as co-host of our newest Slime Time Extended Universe show, Tactfully Die, we've got Paul here tonight. Hey, this is Paul, also known as EastX Twitch. All right. Uh, hello, Paul. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And returning now for their millionth episodes, it's Jay and Matt Craft. Woohoo! Oh, Matt Craft, hey, I'm sure Matt Craft. Hello, yeah. but he's a little occupied. Oh, there, <laughs> oh, there he is. All right. Oh, I'm here. All right. Well, Matt Craft uh, may have to uh, drop off pretty quickly tonight, so uh, he, he might be able to chime in for a while. But we might as well uh, start with you, Matt Craft. Well, uh, here your very your one of your favorite uh, video game endings. Um, try to get you in before duty calls. Spoiler: It's he's not talking about Call of Duty. <laughs> So go ahead, Minecraft. Hello again, <laughs> Internet. Uh, tonight I'm going to talk about a game that I have played several times during my life and one of the few that I actually owned and beat on my Super Nintendo, Bugs and All. If any of you have ever heard of the Lufea franchise, it's pretty simplistic, honestly. You do the traditional JRPG 40-hour grind. The main thing that stands out from it, however, besides its roguelike dungeon thing called the Ancient Cave, is the fact that the first game follows up on the second, which makes it kind of a downer ending. You start off as Maxim, the quintessential JRPG hero slash monster hunter, and throughout the game you actually do get invested in his character. He's kind of a smartass, but over the, t over the general period of the game you... You get a wife, have a kid, save the world, and right after you save the world, one of the final bosses gets off the uh, last little bit, kills your wife. One of the main characters of the game, Salon, is now dead. She ain't coming back. And Maxim loses his life, stopping the Doom Island of all three games from crashing into his own hometown. 
that kind of sticks with you because the main character don't die in a lot of early games. Nowadays, they're kind of free game depending on what you're playing. Y'all were talking about one earlier involving horses. You know what I mean. And I got to be frank about something. The company that made the game, Natsume, remade Lufea 2 as Lufea Curse of the Sinstrals for the DS series. Mm -hmm. And they kind of had a little bit of gall when they did it because they pulled a Batman gambit in the new game plus, where instead of Maxim and Salon dying, they erased the sin the one of the Sinstrals out of existence, which is the main boss characters of the game. So Instead of keeping the age-old ending that actually kind of made sense and set up the rest of the series, they retconned it. Oh no, they don't have to die. And that honestly kind of broke me from it in general. Otherwise than that, <laughs> that's it for me on that. So uh, you didn't like the retcon, or you did? No, I did not like the retcon, honestly. I thought that Maxim and Salon should have stayed dead. Wait, it this sounds for... exactly like the point I was making last episode. Matcraft, I don't it... know if you listened to the last episode, but I, a pair of games I talked about, um, I was annoyed with the ending a little bit because I was like, you know what? I got to an ending. Somebody sacrificed himself, and boom. I was fine with it. Game over, the end. Eject the cartridge and start a new game. I did not go through the multiple endings and got the quote-unquote best ending where everybody lives and everybody's happy, which kind of sounds like, you know, what they did with the uh, DS Lufia 2. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to get into it too much here, but I mean, there's other games like Clock Tower where pretty much everyone dies. So come on. It adds a sense of fatality to the game, which is good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, I, I was fine with that. I talked about that last time. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you're trying to kill these huge ass bosses that are trying to destroy the world. Not everybody's going to walk away from that. Exactly. You know, and it's OK if they don't. It really is. It should I'm going to leave it at that. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, Lendar, we're going to, um, I think you've got the uh, most on the docket tonight. So we'll call on you next. What game would you like to start off your uh, talking about your endings with? I mean, if anyone's okay with sad stories, I'm ready to go. Um, I would actually. <laughs> right, let me get my tissues. Apparently, um... I've had seven shots, one for every time you said the word gambit tonight. So. Uh... <laughs> I might it's just the be word, crying it's whiskey. The, it's the word of the day. It's the <laughs> Gambits. I don't Gambits. use them in 12. I just play full auto. I, I just play full <laughs> <mode>. <laughs> Um, But I'll actually start with uh, one of my favorite games that I will religiously buy for people if it's on sale. And that's uh, Finding Paradise. <laughs> it's a uh, part of the To the Moon series, if anyone's ever played any of those games. Um, the first game you actually are... You start off with uh, two characters, uh, Ava and Dr. Neil. They are part of the Sigmund Corp uh, Corporation. And it's a, co it's a corporation where they make dreams come true for people. Um, a bit morbid how they do it. It's, it's going to be memory altering before they die. So they don't really get their real wish. They just think they do. Um, years and years later on in this game series, in the game world, uh, Sigma Corp gets really famous and it has a lot of commercials. And a main character for this game of Finding Paradise is Colin. This game hits me hard. It hits me really hard because I relate to it very well. It's about a boy who lives alone, Colin. Um, growing up, his family, his parents are never there. 
and growing and then uh, in another game that was a prequel to it is called a uh, bird's a bird's tail mm-hmm. he he finds a bird who is a broken wing and that is his best friend all the way up until it passes away and a doctor refuses to heal its wing so it, the bird passes away from uh not be able to get food or anything else the boy doesn't know how to mm-hmm. get care of it and through that after the after his childhood age he learns he grows up and he meets a girl across the balcony named Faye. And Faye is actually not real. It's just a figment of his imagination. And but all this life it's always been free it has always been real to him. So growing up she would always cheer him on. He would she would always talk to him every night, cheer him on whenever he got his cello to learn how to play it. And then Later on in his life, he meets, meets another woman named Sophia during music class. And then from so on, he learns to fly planes. He learns he has a, him and Sophia have a kid, but something's always missing in his life. He thinks that there's always something not there to keep him happy. So when he goes to Sigmund Corp, they ask, so what's your wish? And he's like, I don't know. I, I just want to be happy. But I want to be happy in a way where nothing changes. And from that, it gives Doctor Neil and Ava and and Ava a hard time because they have to use this machine to go into his brain to change his memory. And whenever they go to change his memory, something keeps stopping Colin from being what he want from getting what he wants. And it's because Faye herself, in his mind, pretty much becomes sentient and stops Ava and Neil from from making him happy. And going from there, it, and hold on, Faye was the imaginary. Yes, Faye Faye is imaginary. Sophia is his real wife. The real wife, okay. Yeah, (laughs) Sophia is absolutely angry, pissed off that he wanted this because she thought his life was perfect as it was. Sure, he never got a he never got grandchildren. Sure, he always missed out on uh, doing things with his music life. Always missing out on uh, his son's childhood, but those were things of normal life. He didn't really didn't give him much misery coming older. Mm-hmm. What was was the fact that he found out about Sigma Corp, and Faye knew this the whole time inside his mind that like the only thing to keep him happy is to remove the idea of this company to change his brain. And the most depressing thing that made me that broke me was the last bit of the game, where Faye and Colin have a conversation when he's a child uh, under a tree. And she talks to him about how she will never always be there and how he just needs to know that when she's physically gone, she'll always be there in his heart and that he needs to move on with his life and make sure he lives the best he can. And after that conversation, she goes off and wipes all the memory of Sigma Corp, takes control of the machine and wipes all of Sigma Corp from her mind while his mind is completely breaking until he passes away. It's a really good game. It's actually currently on sale, if I believe, or if I believe, for PC, Switch, and it's coming to mobile real soon. So if anyone ever wants to give it a try, trust me, it's a good game. Oh, for some reason, I feel like I've listened to a podcast about this. <laughs> uh, if you the more, throw, go ahead. and the fact that you said it's like a almost like a sequel to another one. Yeah, it is. What, uh, what's the other the game? To the Moon. Like, I really think that I might have listened to about both of those games on. Uh, RPG fans retro encounter. They they did it. Are they more like virtual novel kind of games? Uh, they are they're they're RPG maker games actually, but they're oh. 
but they're just all text. So yeah, essentially. Okay. But you can also walk around, control, do puzzles. Um, mm-hmm. The recent one is uh, Imposter Factory. It just yeah, okay. came out. Yep. Yep, I, I think they covered all three of these um, about a year ago on RPG Fan, uh, oh. listening to Michael Solosi and somebody else talking about these. So I highly, um, highly recommend them. <laughs> I, it, it, the the more you talked about it, I'm like this this is uh, Sigmund Sigmund Corporation. Yes. Yeah, that that was so, sounding familiar. I'm like, hmm. Um, yeah, the game series went to be called from starting to called the To the Moon series, and then they started because it all signify it's all within the Sigma Corp. They call it the Sigma Corp series now. Mm-hmm. And there's actually going to be a movie coming out soon for To the Moon. Um, but yeah, Matt Craft To the Moon is already on mobile. So if you want to, if you want to play it, check that out first. Um, I played it on mobile. Yeah, it's a great game. Uh, any form you play it on, it's a beautiful game. Hmm. Well, excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, whew, that was totally different than uh, what, what we talked about last time, but that's okay, man. There, there's a lot of games out there, and I have, all of them are like... It gets more depressing the more I go through. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, man. It's not all like a bunch of teenage heroes killing God, saving the world. And, you know, thank goodness, because we can only... <laughs> You know, you can only play those kind of games every other game. I mean, it was either, it was either <laughs> these games, or I was going to do Wild Arms, and I don't think anyone wants to hear about Wild Arms all day. <laughs> all right, Paul, you want to uh, go ahead and make your side quest debut? Talk about a uh, favorite ending to one of your games? Sure. I picked a couple of arcade classics to combine in one discussion. Okay. So. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of beat-em-ups and actually run a beat-em-ups group on Facebook, which everybody should join if they like that style of game. So two of the most famous beat-em-ups of, you know, from the late 1980s are Final Fight and Golden Axe. So let me tell you about those endings. Final Fight was released in 1989 by Capcom. You know, it stars three protagonists who go through Metro City. And it's actually connected to the same lore as Street Fighter, right? Like they take place in the same universe, sometimes share characters. Mm-hmm. So you get to the the final boss of the game is this man named Belger. And he's like, he rides around in a wheelchair and he, he looks kind of like Abraham Lincoln, but he's supposed to be lame since he's in a wheelchair, you know? But anyway, you beat him up and he, he's shooting at you with harpoons and and such. Yeah, he's got a harpoon gun or a, a crossbow or something. So anyway, the, the heroes defeat him. This takes this battle takes place in a high rise and they knock him out of the window. So you see him like, you know, fall a few stories. It doesn't show him hitting the ground, but it's still a cool moment. Then Hagar, who is the mayor and also a, an ex-wrestler, he comforts his daughter Jessica because they've just rescued her. Then Cody and Guy, the other two playable characters, they they leave as the credits roll and it just kind of shows them walking away. And as they walk away, Jessica, Hagar's daughter, catches up to Cody because they've actually been dating. And it seems like Cody wants to just leave without saying anything to her. So Guy, Guy punches him. He does a little combo on him, which is quite amusing in order to get Cody to stay and talk to Jessica. And Guy takes <laughs> off. Yeah, that was always a fun moment. So anyway, Jessica asks why he won't stay. And Cody explains that he can't stay while evil still stalks the streets. And then we see their feet as they kiss. You know, it's a little animation as she leans towards him and they kiss. And that's a pretty good ending, you know, pretty elaborate for the time. 
and there's been different versions of it too so i wanted to briefly touch on the sega cd version which is voiced you know it's like the same things are happening but fully voiced the english voice actors are very bad but the japanese version has japanese voice actors and they're probably less bad right <laughs> also in the japanese mega cd version there's a little extra scene with cody and guy talking to each other before they leave jessica and hagar you know like while they're still in the boss's final room and i don't know why they took that out of the english version because it only makes it better but the the sega cd version you know besides having the red book audio which is quite you know pretty good version of the songs it's got larger more elaborate artwork for the things that are happening so it's probably the most impressive version of the final fight ending but there's also a different version of final fight you know a lot of people played the super nintendo version the super nintendo got a special version called final fight guy in which <laughs> you could play as either hagar or guy but not cody because uh, like storage space was an issue in the early super nintendo days hmm. so in final fight guy if you beat the game with guy Hagar still comforts Jessica, but Cody does not appear in the ending sequence. Then we see Cody walking away just all by himself. Jessica catches up to Cody, and he refuses to stay and talk. But he wishes good luck to Jessica and Cody, because he's a very honorable guy. And named Guy, after all. Jessica says, I'll miss you, Guy. And the game ends, which is pretty cute. Then the credits roll. The music is really great, by the way. I think Final Fight Guy has one of the best versions of the soundtrack. But anyway, after the credits roll, you, you're treated to a little animation with SD versions of Jessica, Guy, Cody, and Hagar basically just engaging in hijinks. You know, they're little tiny SD sprites, and they're running around hitting each other and stuff. And the animation that you see depends on the difficulty level you beat it on. So if you beat it on the highest difficulty, then you get a slightly more elaborate animation there. Hmm. So that's the ending to Final Fight Guy. And I, I would say all... All the versions of Final Fight are pretty worthwhile. But then also real quick, let me tell you about Golden Axe, which came out in the same year as Final Fight, although slightly earlier in the year. So it's a 1989 game from Sega. And this this is another game with three playable protagonists, and it's a two-player co-op game. So the, the heroes beat this enemy. He's like a giant armored guy with a big axe named Death, Death Adder. When you beat him, his axe flies up in the air and flips around, and then it lands and sticks into his body, which is pretty cool. <laughs> then the, the heroes lower the chains from which the king and queen have been hanging from the ceiling. So they they lower them down. They're rescued. Then you have a map that shows between levels and the word Fian is drawn on it and it says congratulations off to the side. And that's nothing too special, but what comes next is really memorable. So at that point, it cuts to a 1980s arcade and you see a, a group of people playing the Golden Axe arcade game. And all of a sudden, enemies from the arcade game start jumping out of out of the monitor and, and they chase off the people, you know, and there's like a bunch of them just jumping out. It's a really silly thing to see. <laughs> then the, the camera cuts again to show the exterior view. So it's like a zoomed out view of the arcade and these tiny little sprite version. You got a tiny sprite of one of the people who was playing the game being chased by all these tiny versions of the Golden Axe enemies, which is delightful to see. And then those bad guys are in turn being chased by the three heroes from Golden Axe. And uh, then the, the text presented for you by Sega. See you next game appears, which is kind of charming, you know. And um, so that's a really good ending. And the music that plays during that scene is also really, really good. I still enjoy the soundtrack to that game. 
But there's Genesis version of Golden Axe, which might be the only way that some people have played it. That ending is slightly different. So in the Genesis version, you still beat Death Adder. His axe sticks into him. But then when the, the queen is lowered down, she actually thanks the team with a little bit of text instead of being silent. Then it shows the, the map screen and it shows more text on the screen, not just congratulations, but like a little thing about them being heroes. Mm-hmm. Then instead of showing an arcade, it simply starts displaying screens that show all the different characters from the game and their stats. So it's like you see the bad guys and also the heroes and the mounts and things like that. And it's still playing the good music, but it and it's interesting, but just not as amusing as the characters running out of the arcade. Right. <laughs> But then you get a, an end credit scene after that because that was only displaying the enemy information and character information. So the actual credit screen, it's a, a single screen with the three heroes lounging around and they've got a bad guy on the screen too. And Gilius Thunderhead, who is a dwarf, he has these balls of letters and he throws them at the bad guy and the bad guy hits him with his club and that causes them to unspool and show the actual credits. So like each time he throws one, it's a, a development credit. That's the ending of the Genesis version. So I would say it's not as... It's still just not as memorable as the real arcade version, but pretty interesting in its own right. As you were talking there, I totally just watched the arcade ending. That's hilarious. All right. Yes, yeah, one of the all-time best beat-em-up endings, I'd say. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, I remember playing Golden Axe 1 a lot with one of my friends in college. Um, usually we would uh, meet up at my apartment. And we would uh, mess around with uh, either Genesis games or like beat em ups or whatever uh, before we would end up going to uh, concert band practice. And one of the games we would always try and beat was uh, Golden Axe 1. I usually play it as Gilius Thunderhead because one, he's got the best name in the whole <laughs> in that he's got the he's just got the best name, period. Just it's, It just sounds oh, yeah. so cool. And he would usually play as uh, one of the other two characters. And, you know, there was one time where we actually got fairly far into the game. We got to Death Adder's Castle. And I think if I remember right, we were just because we checked it afterwards. We got to the point just before we were able to fight him. But because of how difficult the game can get towards that ending portion, we ended up losing all of our lives. And it's just like, damn it. Man. <laughs> By that point, too, we had to leave. So it's like, and we're going to have to call it quits. But that's true. Here, here in the endings, though, that's pretty funny. I, I'll, uh, I'll have to send those over to him and be like, man, we could have seen like one of these. We could have seen this one if we beat the Genesis one, because you talking about how it just shows like the enemy stats and everything. It kind of reminds me of, oh, goodness, what's the game I'm thinking of? It's, it doesn't show the stats, but it reminded me of like the ending to like Super Mario World, where like the credits get done and it shows like all the different enemies from the game, like just oh, kind of yeah. sliding around on the screen, like yeah, different right. action shots and stuff. Very similar. I kind of, I kind of like when games do like that, like quick little cast call of sorts at the end with like the enemies or with the characters that you met along the way. I agree because a lot of times those enemies actually have a lot of personality and they're part of what it makes a game, what makes a game so memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you had shared a picture with us on uh, the Discord chat that we had for this episode, and I had to laugh when I saw the one picture where it's just like the blue thief and the green thief. <laughs> <laughs> We we always joked when those guys would show up that they had like especially the green one that he had like a little leprechaun voice he's like running around going oh you stole that dog gonna take a lost calling he probably does you know, that when you can't catch them they just run off screen like incredibly fast so we were, we you know jerks. we just were stupid being stupid just coming up with these ridiculous voices for him as they're running around the screen we're trying to hit them to get the magic jars and everything <laughs> oh you almost hit me oh no no. 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much like that. They're just like running around with like these terrible, like half-assed like accents, and they're like, "Oh, you know what's coming down? Oh, you got to go!" No, no, no. I'm trying to protect uh, their lucky charms. Exactly. That's that's, <laughs> that's what we joke. It's oh, like one of the green charms? one must be lucky before he got his job as the serial mascot. <laughs> I played this game quite a few times. I've never beaten it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it can be difficult. Like I have a. Uh, what was it? I have the Sega Genesis mini thing, and um, one of the games that includes was Golden Axe 1, and I'm like, I'm going to see if I can try and beat this one one of these days. And I tried again and again one afternoon. I, I It's it's difficult. I think there's probably ways you could cheese it, but I, yeah, I, I didn't want to look that there might up, be I wanted to try and see if I could figure out how to beat it myself. But it, it's fun, but it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, and by the way, besides being included in numerous collections, you know, like there's an Xbox collection of Golden Axe games that it's backwards compatible, so you can still buy it for cheap. But it's in all the Genesis collections generally. But also you can get the trio of Golden Axe games on mobile for like three bucks, which isn't bad either. As long as it's not Beast Rider, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I never beat that one. I kind of wish I had. It's not a good game in my eyes. <laughs> we all have never heard of Golden Axe, the Legend of Axe Battler for the Sega Game Gear. Yeah, a little action RPG. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like Zelda 2. It was actually really fun when I tried it. Just wanted to blip that in there. There is yet another one that is unknown. <laughs> That's true. And I mean, there's two Sega Genesis sequels, and I think Golden Axe 3 is really good, although some people are divided on it. But there's an arcade sequel, The Revenge of Death Adder, which is really spectacular. And that had never received a home version until Arcade 1-Up put out a cabinet of it, which I own. And then... There's also a fighting game, Golden Axe The Duel, which got released on Sega Saturn. And I really wish they'd re-release that on something because it was a really cool idea. You know, it's not like a new Golden Axe would have been cooler, but playing it as a fighting game, you know, it had really great art and stuff. So it was a cool game. Okay, this may be completely wrong, but talking about like the last we were just talking about Fighting Paradise. I'm like, wait a minute, I think I've heard a podcast. I started listening to this podcast recently, 8-4 Play, um, and they're all um, Japanese English translators that work at the company 8-4 in Japan. And they were their Christmas episode. I was just listening while cooking dinner tonight. And one of them was talking and it might have been that game from the Saturn. Ooh. Because they bought a PlayStation 3 version of, like, a Genesis collection, but you had to cast some spell in one of the Golden Axes, like, ten times to unlock a game that hadn't been released, but somewhere else. And I'm pretty sure, it, it may not have been the exact one you're talking about, but I think it was something with the Golden Axe series. Uh, you know what? I, bet, I bet you're talking about um, the Sonic's Ultimate uh, Genesis collection. I have that game on my on my 360. That's the way that my buddy and I played uh, Golden Axe all the time. And there were a bunch of unlockable games in that uh, collection okay. that were not Genesis-specific games. It was like, um, I know yes. one of them was that if you beat one of the Fantasy Star games, like two, three, or four, you would then unlock the original Fantasy Star in the bonus section, nice. which was on like the, uh, I forget what system it was on, but it was like the previous Sega system before the Genesis slash Mega Drive. The Master System, right? Yes, thank you, yes. Master System. That's it. But but there was stuff like that, so I would bet that go- that that's the one that uh, they were talking about, Platy. Because um, okay, th- th- if you look on Game Facts for that, there there's I think there's a whole list of like how you unlock all the special games. We'll have to double check that. But and what collection it, was that? Um, I could have the the exact name wrong, but I know it was called like the Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection or something like that. I know the box Sonic's it, Ultimate it features Genesis Sonic Collection. On it, and it does say Sonic's Collection. I know that for sure, but. 
because I know it was on Xbox 360. Games. Hmm? Golden Axe Warrior for the Master System. Oh, neat. The Golden Axe Warrior would just be the Master System version of the Game Gear game that we got. That's cool. Okay. There we go. All right. Look at that. Like, I actually paid attention to something. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone really loves Golden Axe, I would highly, highly recommend. I've been pushing this game so much. Uh, Chipmunk. It's on Mm itch.io. It's just just a anthropomorphic uh, chipmunks and also... uh, hamsters that are just in golden x format it is a beautiful <laughs> game uh there's like beavers as tanks and they're just like they're whapping at you um it's just a really good game if you if anyone ever wants to check that out i look forward to playing it soon and it's also <laughs> on steam by the way oh it is on steam now awesome yeah. that's a good game i hope just for the sake of reference they named one of the characters gillius beaverhead or gillius chipmunk head or something <laughs> i mean beaverhead, i can check for you later all right, well, we've uh, beat him up quite a bit there. Jay, you've got a game or two you want to talk about tonight. Hello, yes. Uh, first, we're going to go back to some kids fighting God. That's a good thing yes! to go. So I would like to talk about the ending to Earthbound, but in order to do that, because Earthbound's ending is as impactful as it is because of all like the steps you go to getting there, so I need to like talk about Earthbound for a bit. Yeah, go ahead. So in Earthbound, you play as Nest, that kid from Smash who uses PK Fire <laughs> and hits him. And when a meteorite crashes on the mountain near your house, you, you and your neighbor go to investigate it and you find a insect of some kind, a bee it is not, called Buzz Buzz, who tells you that there's this alien called Gygus coming from the future and he wants to destroy the world. And that Ness is one of four cho- chosen, gifted psychic heroes who will rise up and stop Gygus. And it's like, this is what you have to do to prepare. And he's like, he gives you this special artifact that lets you record sounds and sends you off to find these eight sanctuary locations that have something to do with awakening Ness's psychic power. You go on a fairly contemporary RPG set in what was modern day at the time, instead of swords and bows, you have bat and yo-yos. You meet up with your other Gift, psychically gifted partners and also Jeff. Don't talk about Jeff. Go around the world to find your eight sanctuary locations and on finding the eighth one Ness collapses. He wakes up in a realm within his mind called Magicant, faces his dark side to fully awaken his psychic powers and gets this insane stat growth like wow. Like wow. You transport your soul into the past to fight Gygus before he can become a threat. And then once you beat him, you do that classic RPG victory lap where everything is peaceful and happy and you walk your partners back to their respective homes. And the reason why this is so impactful for me is because throughout the game, there's this little photographer who will stop your adventure and be like, hey, this will be a perfect memory for some time later. And he'll take a picture of what is exactly the scene of where you are at that particular moment. And while the credits are rolling, it will show you like a scrapbook of all those photographs. And another thing in typical RPG fashion, the final boss can only be destroyed by the entire world coming together and praying together. And at one point throughout the game, it asks for your the player name. And the last fight fatal blow to the Gygus, the main villain, is Jason prayed for Ness's safety with all his heart or whatever you chose your name to be. So it's like you, the actual person on the other end of that TV played a critical role in this game. 
and that just touched me in a way that I really don't know how to describe. And that's why Earthbound sticks in my brain. Nice. Thank you. That's that, really that cool. That is a game that uh, one day maybe I will beat. I got about halfway through it. You, it, <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Plenty. That's a good one. What? I got to the desert. It's like I'm four. just giving you shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it was eight areas. I was in area number four. I think. Yep. <laughs> it, it is but, mostly I, like once you get like past like area six, the last two are like rapid fire. Yeah, I just but have to give Plenty crap because. He got to the Dusty Dunes Desert, and all you got to really do is just head right, and then eventually get to Foresight. He, he didn't go right. <laughs> it went up. Oh. You have to go up and to the right, but all you got to do is just get past those little mountains, and off you go. You can just ignore everything else in the desert if you really want to. You can just head right, and there you go. I, was <laughs> I just got to give him crap out of that, because I remember recommending <laughs> that one to you and being like, you got into it. It's just like, ah, oh. <laughs> he didn't blade through it. <laughs> Vladdy's got further than me. I got the, the credit screen, the title screen. I'm like, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. I got farther than somebody else. Hooray. Yeah, I've played Earthbound like so many times. I think the first, I know the first time that I played it was on a physical copy that I bought in like 2009, like the summer of 2009. And um, I was surprised I even found one too. But I played through that like two different times that summer. Uh, I've replayed it almost every year since then. And it's one that usually like when I replay it, I either will mess with the names of something or I'll just do something kind of silly with how I name the characters. Like, I know the last or one of the last times I played it when I when you are supposed to name yourself on that select screen where it's like, oh, make sure you put in your first and last name or whatever. I put Oprah Winfrey just because I thought it'd be funny. Just, <laughs> and it was because I just imagine Oprah somewhere. Out. It, I think it was around the time that that Wrinkle in Time adaptation was coming out. And, and that, if you've never seen that movie, they try and play up Oprah Winfrey as like the most powerful of the three witches in the movie adaptation. So. I thought just for humor's sake, it'd be like just that giant version of her. They show up at one point that the kid whimsically reaches out his arms and touches her face as they fly by. That that's the version. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really enjoy um, uh, how Earthbound ends too because, like, that was one. Of, that's one of the big things that Shigazato Toy wanted to do with the ending bosses. He didn't want to just have them be like. You know, you fight them normally. He kind of threw in stuff to make you fight them differently because um, without going too much into spoilers, like all three of the final bosses from the, the three mother games, you don't fight them in the traditional sense. You have to use different tactics in order to defeat them because, you know, usually there's the times where like, and Jay said it too, where, um, you know, there's times where like, oh, the world's got to come together or like they, you know, people send their hopes to the hero or whatever, like in Paper Mario, the Thousand Year Door, for example where they do that, where the crystal stars will uh, go to the different, go to the different corners of the world. And people are like, Oh, you know, we hope you do everything like a ball. But it's really cool that with earthbound too, like uh, that, a lot of the people you met on your journey, that they're the ones that end up helping you, you know, beat Gygus once and for all, once you dealt, you know, enough damage to him to get him uh, into a point where then you can't really do anything else yourself. So you have to start calling on for help. I think that's a really cool touch and kind of a nice way to bring in a lot of the characters that were previously in the game together you got to keep paula alive she's a link basically mm -hmm. and yeah um i really like it too how how the game like sort of shows how there's this change of power progress with them as well because uh, what is it like at the beginning you know gygus doesn't really see you much as a threat because most of your enemies are just like people who are possessed or animals and whatnot 
But then the stronger the kids become, the more frightened he becomes. So that's why he ends up going off into the past because he's just he's at that point his power is just completely unstable. And that's why he's even in the devil machine in the first place, because um when you get to him, he's trapped inside this big machine. But Pokey's like, Well, let's see what happens when we let him out and Gygus can't control himself anymore. <laughs> Pokey's like I'm going to press this button and then I'm going to leave. Yep. But he still has the time to come back and taunt you every now and then. And poor, our, our poor friend, uh, Liam land, uh, learned the hard way. He had to wait for that point before he could actually try and defeat him. Oh, shout out to Liam land and his many struggles with the, the final boss fight, but he did beat it though. It's a tricky fight, honestly, but yeah, earthbound's got a pretty good ending. And I like how that lets you do the, um, dragon quest thing where you can, once you've beaten that, you then can escort Paula back home, and then you can just go around all the other places you've been to, you know, see if there's any different dialogue, and people are like, oh, you know, this has changed, or that's changed, or... I think my favorite case is when you call, if you go to the phone and you call the... Um, the stoic lounge from summers it now turns into like this cowboy trucker trucker like truck stop place <laughs> with barbecue and the guy's like yeah you called the the, sto- the stoic club that's not here no more <laughs> and there's like if you left uh one of the mini bosses alive because there's like one you can skip and you lose to it it like completely messes up the game it's hilarious Yep. Don't don't do that to a physical cartridge if you don't want. Do it on a on a ROM if you want to, but if you do it on a physical card, it can damage it. So I've always wanted to try it, but I've never wanted to test it with my physical copy. I just don't trust it. <laughs> Earthbound's on Nintendo Switch Online, so yeah, you can just beat the game and do it. Yeah, I don't know if I want to try it digitally either. I don't know what would happen. <laughs> it's admittedly one of those things I'm like, I don't know what could go on. It reminds me of the horror stories of um uh, just to switch games real quick, Donkey Kong Country 2, because in Donkey Kong Country 2, there's a major glitch you can do towards the end of the game in one of the levels, and if you do the glitch, it can really mess with the entire cartridge. I've always wanted to try that one, too, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to bring that up because I did that glitch on the Switch digital version, and nothing too bad happened. Yeah. At least with digital ones, you can reset the software. And- or right. make a save state before you do the glitch. But it's just one of the things that's like, yeah, you know what? I'll just watch that one on YouTube or something. You you, you, you do it. I'll just watch it. <laughs> it's like when you see a kid going to go for something, do something stupid. It's like, you go ahead. We'll see what happens. I'll just record that. I'll just watch. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Earthbound's got def- definitely has like one of the most memorable endings from a Super Nintendo RPG for me, for sure. But it didn't beat out Final Fantasy VI last time when I did the, when I, when we did our, our part one episode so sorry man <laughs> the pixel remaster for six came out right yeah yes i want i'm gonna get it all right so let's uh circle back around lindar are you ready to uh pull out the uh pull our tears out of us again yeah i can pull some rhymes out of you too if i want to <laughs> I'll get my tissues ready here for us. <laughs> this is the pre- prepare to cry edition of the yes podcast. um now, this time, we're going to go through the, the stages of grief for everyone. We're going to go through denial, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. Okay. I'm going to start playing my email music on the other end here. Hold on. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. uh, my next game is Rhyme, um, or Rime, however the heck you want to pronounce it. Uh, it's by Tequila Works. It's on the PS4, Switch, PC, and Xbox. Um, I would not recommend the Switch version. It is a complete broken mess. So if you want to cry while the game breaks, go for it. <laughs> um, 
you wake up on an island, uh, on an island shore, as a boy after a uh, horrifying boat accident at sea. Um, waking up, you're just you find a really beautiful green pastured island. Every, there's warthogs, baby little warthogs everywhere, seagulls, crabs. It's like an island paradise. Except there's these monoliths of white, these white monoliths just everywhere. And they have like a keyhole in them. Traveling through, you uh, find these blue pillars of light coming out of statues of foxes. You just give it a little shout and you just notice that your shout has a bit of a power. This isn't Skyrim, I trust, just trust me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and after you get all those, all those, you get you get meet a little new friend of yourself for you, a spirit fox, which takes you on a journey. Um, it guides you through the first pasture of green islands and everything, and then from there you go to a desert, and then from a desert to constant rain, and at the end, I have a dog that likes to bark. <laughs> all right. Um. What a crazy twist for the game. The dog starts barking. <laughs> and then when you get to the very end, things change for a big reason. You go, After you went through this game, seeing all these keyholes, solving all these puzzles, finding toys and a lullaby that you hear, it seems very familiar for your character at this point. Throughout all the, in, through all the stages you go through, you see a different house. You wake up in a house. You're very confused, and you go through this hallway. You see a an elderly man just sitting in a chair, holding a key in his in his hands. You touch the guy, and he disintegrates, and a massive void pops out. And in the, in the underneath, under the void, there is like this starry sky, and that's when your character jumps, and it breaks. It goes into a dark screen. And goes into the stars, and the stars go fade down to the back to the guy that you actually that the boy touched. It's his father. <laughs> this whole game you go through, it does a complete 360 on you. It just changes changes the whole perspective of the game. That this wasn't the boy going through and trying to remember his father. It's the father going through all the forms of of grief and loss. Just so he can go back into his child's room, just to remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a very depressing game, but at the same time, it is a very beautiful game. The music in this is top notch. I'll say one reason why is because the game's completely wordless, so it's complete emotional game. It's told through music, um, actions, puzzles, and environment. When you, so the father finally goes and op- takes the key that you keep seeing keys throughout the whole game because the puzzles, of course, mm-hmm. and keyholes. He opens the door. He sees the toys that you gathered. It's the toys that the father remembers that the boy used to play with all the time. And the red cloak appears in the father's hand after he sees the child in the bed as a apparition. He hugs the boy and... His wife is also long deceased, also is supporting him. And you find out that the son actually passed away out in sea. So the last thing he does is he lets the cloak go out in the wind to the sea. It is a great game. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have seen the game or have heard of it. It is something I highly recommend. If you like the game like Ico or uh, Shadow of the Colossus, even though there's no combat in this. Hmm. I've been reading uh, comments on the because I'm looking up like ending songs and everything and reading the comments on it. And yeah, they, they all are like basically just mirroring what you said. Yeah, it's a 
really good game. <laughs> Short, but good. I need to get back to Rhyme at some point. I tried playing it on, what was that? I got it on my PS4 when it was like uh, on PS Plus at one point, I think. I played a little bit of it, but I just really didn't get into it that much. Uh, I ended up picking it up on my Switch, which was a terrible mistake when it was yeah. on sale. Yeah, and I tried, I tried powering through it, but Jesus, man, that game runs like ass. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, I have it on um, So I'm going to try my PS4 version again at some point, just uh just not sure when. Do you have your light <laughs> bar turned on for your controller at all times? Uh, yes. Every stage of depression, of loss, every stage you go to, the light bar changes to that, to that scene's color. Okay, I hope to keep an eye out for that when I play it. I, I will be honest, I took my headphones off when I started to realize what game you were talking about. Because I'm like, well, I actually want to see what happens myself. So <laughs> I didn't listen to everything you said. I just heard you start talking about it and then... Uh, well, so, I tried to so stay away too far from. I, I did most of just the ending. Uh, the things that happen in between, it adds and adds up and adds up and adds up. Okay. There's these so many cool things you can go through and check out. I highly, highly recommend it. I am a junkie for Ico, and whenever I played this, I, I loved it. I loved it even more than Peppo EO that was on PS3 and PC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to check this one out again. It, it's one I've been meaning to get back to and play it on my PS4, see if it runs a lot better. But It does. It runs But, but, well but someday, someday I'll get back to it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jay, did you have another one you wanted to talk about? Hello. Hey, there you go. Here I am. Yes, I was also going to talk about World of Final Fantasy again briefly. Okay. So, long time side quest fans may remember that I nominated it as my game of the year 2021. It's a really <laughs> cool game. It is a very good game. And the ending is also very cool. The ending is sad. Uh oh. Another sad oh. ending. Yeah. Yeah. A little sad. Kind of sad. Pretty sad. I'm never <laughs> sad when Final Fantasy games end. <laughs> <laughs> we know you were upset you never beat 12. Come on. Oh, well, I beat 12. Oh, you did? I thought you gave oh, up on no. the game at one point. Okay. I I did give up on the game at one point, and then it was, this is back in the day before I had like a backlog of 100 games. I'm like, well, I uh, bought this shit at full price. I'm going to beat it out of spite. Oh, you bought it full, you bought it brand new. Oh, okay. I bought it so brand did I. new. I did not know about that part of the story. See, honestly, just to jump in real quick, Matt. That's I what makes this story part. sadder. <laughs> like, honestly, Platty, I thought when you had bought the game, you bought it. I'm like, for some reason in my head, I had it that you had bought the game. At one point, only played it for like 20 hours or so, and then you were just like, "Fuck it, I'm done." And you just kind of like gave up, gave up on. It. I don't know where oh, I got no. that idea from. Maybe I'm thinking of something <laughs> else, but probably because that's what I would do these days with that kind of game. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, I had that in my head for some reason. I, yeah, I did not know you bought it full price. Yeah, I would have. If I were you, I'd been like, "Yeah, I'm gonna beat this damn game out of spite." <laughs> All right, anyway, Jay, sorry. sorry about go that. Ahead, go ahead, Jay. Sorry. <laughs> well, World of Final Fantasy will make you extra sad because there's post game. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it too much because I already covered it in our my other episode. So just go back and watch the other Slime Time episode. I don't remember when I talked about it, so you have to watch the whole thing, I guess. <laughs> just start with episode one and just start listening. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, for, back to World of Final Fantasy. Okay. So throughout the whole game, you've been told that you can regain your memories by collecting all the different monsters. And while you're trying to do that, these bad guys are trying to flood the world with their own monsters, they get this portal open, and you find out that the main hero, uh, Glenn, I think that's how you said it, has, like, the power to seal stuff, and he used that on his sister to steal power of, of absorption, and in the end, 
he confronts the bad guy and in order to seal up the portal sacrifices himself and the credits runs with your other protagonist rain his land's twin like just going through life without the person she spent everything with and it's really kind of like upsetting because it means just end it's a lot very similar to like the feeling we have at dragon quest 11 when Veronica happened, mm-hmm. but then like you don't get a super powered sister to compensate. <laughs> Oops! And like I said, the game just ends, and until unless you do the post game to get land back, you just don't have him anymore. Mm. And I feel like it's very impactful for, to have. I feel like so many games these days have to end on like force a happy ending somewhere. Or at least a lot of the ones I played. Apparently, we have no shortage of examples where. Happy endings <laughs> happen. But it was like, yeah. it was really refreshing to see a game end on such a sad note. So I was listening to another podcast. Gosh, I, I said that like three times tonight. Um, that went on and somebody went on a rant about this for quite a while. Like, why do we always have to have the happy ending? Why can't we? It, like I said earlier, you know, you're a bunch of kids fighting God. You know, sometimes there's going to be a casualty. You're not all going to come out of that, like, all okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and uh, heck, that's what I talked about three times on the last episode and i was okay with dragon quest 11 doing it i'm like all right you're like i'll do that post game because it's so expansive um which then you know stopped that from happening uh but then kind of in other games i i wasn't maybe I, i wasn't invested in those series as much as i am in dragon quest so i was okay with the noble death and like well you know shit happens i remember (laughs) uh Bradley default where your character sacrifices herself i'm like yeah this is the kind of stuff that i want to see more of mm-hmm. you've woken my slumber of depressing games <laughs> <laughs> i have a list for you if you ever want it i still need to get world of, War- uh, world of final fantasy it's been on my backlog of list of games to get but i, I, I highly recommend it I see that it did Vivi some justice, unlike Kingdom Hearts did, so I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, the Xbox version went on sale yeah. for like $9 a, a month or two ago, and I was like, heck yeah, I'm buying that version, because I already had it on Vita. Yeah, you know what? That's I've got it on my Vita, but uh, I know like... On like 15 or something. Also, the Xbox no, version is probably the newer updated one, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah Switch, like, Switch also got the the Maxima version, which is like the updated version of it, too. And PC. You know, I gotta, add, I gotta chime in, play since you brought the Vita one. It's like, you know, I bought the Vita version myself at one point, but that was before my Vita decided to just uh, foobar itself. So, <laughs> so, it's like, well, damn, if I ever want to play it, I'll have to find it on another system. <laughs> well, apparently we know it's all over the place. Any Final Fantasy game is. Yeah, about any days, yeah. Except for the Pixel remasters for some reason, but... Uh. Yes. Whatever. That's just Square Enix. Give it a year. Give it a year. That's what I'm thinking. It's <laughs> probably going to be sooner. I'm. I honestly am kind of expecting this summer, um, when, uh, well, when not E3 happens because we're not having that this year, that someone's going to come along and be like, "Hey, guess what's coming to Switch, guys?" Or Nintendo's going to announce that in like the next oh, direct or something. I could see it happening. I'm surprised they didn't announce them for Switch immediately. Really? Yeah. yeah. Why not? It's it's Square Enix being Square Enix. So money. Money. There's, there's, Switch many, got there's a huge many, base that'll buy it. Yeah, so I mean, put it everywhere else first, and they've then bring it Switch a year later. People get to double dip like crazy. Yeah, and you know they've done that with other games too. Like they brought in Switch versions out like two years later because um, 
and this is just because I've been playing it. I was looking into it. The Switch version, because uh, we just made a joke in the in the voice or in the text chat too. Like the Switch version of Final Fantasy XII: The Zodiac Age, that came out like two years after it was on like PS4 and I think Steam. So, you know, ne- you never know. Square Enix might two years later be like, you know, what? we should probably bring that to the other systems or something. Be nice. Demo of twelve. Just you know, who knows what'll happen though. But yeah. Uh, uh, World of Final Fantasy is one that I'd like to play at some point, um, but I, I mean, a, admittedly, with like spinoff games like that, it's not to me. It's not. It's not what I want to jump into as much as say playing like the the main numbered games. But I, I like to check it out just because I, I know it has a lot of uh, fan service stuff to other games and has like the the the, the um, like miniature version of all the monsters that you can um, collect and like build teams with. That's pretty cool. You get a behemoth like thirty minutes in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's like Dragon Quest Heroes or or Tact, where it just has so many things that anybody who's played the other games could enjoy. You know, like the fan service just really makes it special. Mm-hmm. The dialogue's also really funny. Oh yeah, see, I could get into that. I could get into that. I haven't I haven't played a Final Fantasy game that I've enjoyed in like twenty years, but something I, I like just, that sounds. I described World of Final Fantasy as Kingdom Hearts if it didn't take itself seriously. <laughs> you don't play it. You probably I didn't I think take I Kingdom it. Hearts seriously, so this actually sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, New I think I think I what the last time too, Platy, but I think you would like um, World of Final Fantasy's gameplay a bit more too than some of the more recent ones because it's it has kind of like the uh, what is it in Grandia One? You know, Grandia One has the little bar on the side that'll show like when your character's turn is coming up and like has I little icons that. that like race up a bar. Yeah, oh yeah, you know that. Um, I think. It, it's gameplay is kind of like that too, where at least uh, like as far as combat goes, where like there's a little bar that fills up and eventually it gets to a point and it's like, oh, now it's, you know, this character, this individual's turn. So awesome. there are demos out there too, so you could check those out if you wanted to, you know, get kind of a hands on with it. For World of Final Fantasy specifically, don't underestimate the usefulness of guarding. Mm. Mm. Something I mm. never do in video games. <laughs> I had to learn to guard recently in Kirby. Did you ah, to... What a perfect transition! Yeah, <laughs> I thought because it might be. Paul, you said you wanted to talk about Kirby. I love Kirby. sure. Yeah, so let's talk about Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which just came out on Nintendo Switch about I don't know a month or two ago. So of course this is going to be spoilery, and if you plan to play the game anytime soon, then you shouldn't listen to me talking about the ending. But if you don't mind, listen up. So Kirby and the Forgotten Land, the game is set on a like kind of a post-apocalyptic planet, some weird ruined abandoned planet with all kinds of, you know, buildings and amusement parks and cities and stuff that have no population to them, right? Well, the and so the the mystery of what happened to the original residents, that's part of what drives the narrative. Mm-hmm. The final level is called Lab Discovera, so it's a you know, a science lab. And when you get there, there's an English voiceover like, you know, recorded or being played by a a computer, you know, like a long dormant computer, and it's very anime-esque that. And this is not a game that has voice acting anywhere else, so it's it's a good touch. Anyway, Kirby meets Leongar, who is a talking humanoid lion, and this is the first time that one of these animal bosses has has spoken to him, you know, with text. But anyway, Leongar explains that there's this creature called the Perfect Being, which previously invaded the planet. And it needs Kirby's friend Elphalin to be complete. And Elphalin is this little floating Pokemon-like character that you meet at the beginning of the game, and the bad guys all want him. So this is where we learn why they want him, because he's going to be 
added to the perfect being to make it more powerful. Well, uh, so then you have to fight Leongar, and after doing so, the perfect being, who was this giant creature, sort of like, I don't know, Mew or Mewtwo in a, in a research facility, it breaks out, it absorbs Leongar and the, the other nearby animals of the planet. So it's pulling him into itself, kind of like John Carpenter's The Thing or something, you know, it's kind of, it's really freaky looking. And then it, it chases, it's called Fecto Forgo, and it chases Kirby down a corridor and you've got like a running towards the screen sequence, which is quite, there's a few other sequences like that, but it's memorable. It's, it's not a hard sequence either, but it's just so cool because you're running from this freaky looking monster. Well, at the end of the sequence, the creature finally captures Elphalin and absorbs it, allowing it to become this even more powerful, worse thing, Fecto Elphalis, which looks a lot like a, a big, fancier Mewtwo. But anyway, it escapes to the rooftop where you, where you have to go fight it for the final battle. And uh, it's a really tough battle. And this is a sequence of three battles that you have to do in a row. So, you know, you have to be pretty well prepared for it. And I died the first time, but then I looked up some help and went back a little better prepared. Well, if you you beat Fecto Elphilus down enough and eventually Elphilus pops out and is freed, but then the, the main Fecto monster, he's still angry, you know, he's still full of vengeance. So he opens up this warp above the planet and starts pulling planet Popstar, Kirby's planet, through the warp. So he's going to smash it down into this other planet, destroying them both. And, you know, it's a real emergency. So Kirby and and Elflin are like, how are we going to stop them? And then Kirby looks around and there's an abandoned 18-wheeler. You know, it looks like a human 18-wheeler. And Kirby sucks it up because he has the ability to, to suck up large things in this game. And so then he's just taken over the 18-wheeler. And then you're basically, he has to drive across these floating buildings and pieces of debris as he tries to get to the, the flying bad guy. And it's it's just a really exciting, fun sequence. When you get really close to him, then there's quick time events as the bad guy is like throwing meteors at you, you know, very RPG-esque. And, you know, the truck has to break through him, so you have to do the quick time event quickly. And yeah, I mean, the game has great music, by the way. But yeah, um, as as he pushes through, you know, he completes the quick time events and he finally strikes the enemy and kills it. And it's in like silhouette. It's very dramatic and anime like, you know, then Kirby and the others, they awaken back on planet Popstar. But the problem is the warp is still open in the sky, you know, so like they're they're not saved yet. So Elfin, Elflin, the little floating blue guy, he has to use the last of his power to close the, the warp hole, but he will die in the process. So he goes and does that, you know, and it, it's dramatic. And then suddenly everything's OK, but Kirby's all sad because he lost his friend. And then uh, then quickly Kirby, like, looks over and sees something that makes him smile. That's when the credits start to roll. The, the credits play this beautiful lyrical Japanese song and you see pictures basically telling what happens next, like framed photos. And so there's a framed photo of Elphalin coming back. He didn't actually die. And then you just see pictures of, you know, Kirby and his friends celebrating and things like that and relaxing. It's very cheerful little ending after what had been very dramatic. And it kind of undercuts the the sadness that they just had. You know, I guess they did not want to end it unhappily, as we were talking about. But then the, the credits go, and after the credits and that great song, then you see this this particular character floating there, like in stasis or something. It says, to be continued. And it made me wonder, well, is there going to be a follow-up game? But actually, there's a post-game that opens up, 
And in the post game, it's got some story stuff. You learn how Elflin survived, and then you have to go through these harder remix remix levels, and then you can try to save the character that you just saw. So really elaborate, well done conclusion to an amazing 3D platformer, and I highly recommend it to everybody. Oh yeah, Kirby in the Forgotten Land is just so good. Like I fully recommend it too because it was one I I had mentioned this before or actually at the beginning of this before I remember if I said it before we started recording or whatever but anyway I had been playing through uh, the Kirby games that I had missed out on and Kirby in the Forgotten Land was one that got me to it because it was a game I just kind of picked up on a whim I'm like ah, it's coming out you know I'll pick it up I'll see how it is I like the demo enough I was honestly surprised how much I enjoyed that game and how glued to it I was and. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, Paul, you brought up how the final boss, like, gets kind of freaky with some of the stuff it does, like, when it starts absorbing yeah. other creatures and stuff. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. Kirby, you know, final bosses, just from going on my own experience way back with Kirby 64, like, when I ended up fighting the true final boss, um, Zero Two, or just O2, whoever his name is, um, that kind of just was really weird, but also confused me because I didn't have the context of the other um, games in the Dark Matter trilogy. But at the same time, it was like, oh, OK, so like getting older then and playing some other Kirby games, it's like, OK, so this is sort of the the thing where there's like this really big, powerful um, spirit creature of some kind that'll show up. Uh, no, Kirby in the Forgotten Land just takes that and is like, you like Eldric Horror? We'll give you some Eldric Horror because... When what's its name like ID eight seventy six or something like that, whatever its uh, code name is, whenever they're talking about the creature before mm-hmm. it's like fused together again. Um, anyway, I even took a picture and sent it to uh, Platy the day I saw it because the scene after you beat Leongar, uh, all of a sudden he starts talking completely differently than he was before. It then cuts to the giant, uh, the giant like fetus looking part of um the beast um id seven eighty eight seven six whatever it's actually called and when it cuts to him what's it called i'm sorry fecto something or other they all have fecto in the name okay uh we'll just call him uh, fecto for short but anyway when it cuts to uh fecto uh inside of the test tube in the background there's a very close shot of its eyeball opening and i'm not gonna lie that that did make me jump because i'm like (laughs) oh shit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I knew that's that we were in for a wild ride, and sure enough, the end of the game itself uh, is it gets crazy. Like I did not ex- expect the absorption thing that went on. I didn't expect that he was going to turn into like this psychic, like uh, like you called him like a Mewtwo esque figure. Yeah, and that's what he reminded. He almost reminded me of like two of um an alien of oh gosh, what game is that that I'm thinking of? There's one that I've played that had an alien with that sort of strange design to it, where like its features were suddenly really elongated for like no reason. And there's no, you know what? No, I remember it kind of made me think of, um, Amygdala from, uh, Bloodborne because that's a creature that also has really elongated limbs and stuff. You know, it's a very, uh, alien looking Eldrick abomination type creature. Oh. If you've ever uh, played, but if you've uh, not played Bloodborne, uh, just look up Amygdala and you'll see what I mean. Just with the mainly just how long its limbs are and just how it like can tower over the main character. Uh, anyway, um, final boss was definitely really cool. I loved it too. How and I'm glad you brought up the 18 wheeler because that <laughs> that was a, that was a great way to help cap off the mouthful mode stuff because like trucking through all those enemies in an actual like controlling a big semi truck that's so good. <laughs> it's so silly, but 
it's like I've told other people. It's like I'm pretty sure they did that just because it, they wanted to get away from all the dark stuff that was going on with the final boss and everything. Because it, it gets pretty intense. Like I could see, you know, for one reason, I see why this game ended up getting that E10 rating. But I could see where little kids who played this game thinking, oh, it's just Kirby'd be like, what's going on? I don't like this. <laughs> uh, you got to give it up to the Kirby Debs for always making the final bosses these crazy monsters from beyond space and time. <laughs> this is the first one I've beaten, and I was really impressed by it. I have played others and enjoyed them. But yeah, this game is in a league beyond the previous ones that I've played. Oh, yeah. I've heard, I've not played this one myself, and um, but I've heard things about Star Allies and its final boss, Ooh. or bosses, I should say. And I've heard it rivals this one, if not more so, but I don't I don't know for sure. I haven't played it myself, so I can't speak on it personally, but I've, I've heard good things about the final portions of Star Allies. So I'm, I'm thinking that's what I'm going to have to play at some point, just to see, you know, if it gets as crazy or not. <laughs> Cool. Well, I enjoy that game. It has really good four-player co-op, and I would say the co-op is better than the Forgotten Lands co-op, but but I did just didn't beat it, so I'll have to go back and finish it. There you go. Hey, you, that can be your mission, too, like it was mine a little while ago, where just going back and playing Kirby games I needed to finish. That can be your mission now. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to learn more about a series like that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I like just from my own experience, I really enjoy doing it because I got to play games like Planet Robobot, which I never played and always wanted to. But just long story short, a lot of stuff kept coming up that prevented that from happening. So getting through that one, finally, that was really good, too. Would definitely recommend try and find a copy of that one if you can. Excellent. And by the way, I do plan to review this one for Co-Optimist, the website I write for. I just really wanted to completely beat the game before writing about it, so I'm running a bit behind on writing about it. Oh, yeah, no, you definitely want to see all you can because um, I think I, I don't want to spoil that um, what you can do in the post game part, but if you've played other Kirby games and you know how the arena works in some of like the more recent ones, there's it's worth beating the uh, final version of the arena that pops up because there's a nice bit of closure to one of the little story beats from earlier on in the game. I won't say too much about it just because I think it is worth seeing it yourself, but it, it's worth going for. It, it's it's worth going for. I will say that. Oh, cool. All right. Well, uh, we'll see if the final game is uh, worth going for as much as the other ones that uh, Lendar's talked about. Um, are, are we going to have a happy ending or are we going to yeah, have another tearjerker on our hands? <laughs> um, a boy with cancer. Yeah! Oh, damn. <laughs> Son of a bitch. That that cheers you right up, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Man, All right, well. Dragon Quest. <laughs> We've talked Kirby. Ha ha ha! Yay, fun. I'm ready for this. Okay. Uh, my final game is Raccoon. Or Raccoon. I forgot how to pronounce it. It actually says it once in the game vo- vocally. Um, this game is by Laura Shigihara, who is the musician for Plants vs. Zombies. She's so great. Oh, yeah. Amazing musician. She's also did music for uh, my previous game, also uh, Finding Paradise, Ooh. and also To the Moon. So, yeah, I purposely did that. A lot of things are connected here. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've got a lot. Of, you've got thematics. you got music. You, you put this all together. Um, this game follows a boy who resides in a hospital undergoing going a tr- lung cancer treatment. It does not tell you that specifically, um, but there is medicine logs in the game where I found out and I searched it. And it's like, it's either for ovarian cancer or lung cancer. It's your choice, but it's, it's lung cancer. Um... And this, there's a book that his mother reads to him every night called Rakuin. 
And every night he, she reads it to him, and the day that you, you start the game, um, he, ta- he, find, he runs into a kid named Yami. He ta- Yami talks to him and talks about how he's not supposed to be getting out of his room and talking very, talking very cryptically to the boy. The boy's never named. Later on after that, you f- uh, the boy wakes back up in the morning and his book is missing. It's been stolen by a hobo who is running around the back halls of the hospital that's under construction. Uh, the boy runs into Uma and Uma's like, hey, look, kid, I'll give this back to you. I wanted to sell it off because it was lined with silver. So, but just because I don't want to go to jail or anything, you can have it back. Just don't tell anyone I'm here. And the man, the man walks off. The boy's happy as can be. Has his book, and his mother rewards him by reading the one of the stories from the book of Rakuen. This the story is a uh, about a, a boy in the book called that's a warrior. And upon returning to his tribe after doing various feats of heroics. His whole entire tribe is missing. And in that story, the boy goes into the guardian spirit of Morizoa. And the guardian spirit says, if he he has one wish that he can the boy the boy can have, and the wish the boy had for the warrior was that he wanted to ride on Morizoa's magical boat to get back to his tribe. Back in the real world, the boy is happily falling asleep to the story. And the boy says, I'm happy I found the book again, pretty much. And the mother's like, well, I didn't want to tell you this, but this book isn't just a book. It's also a blueprint to find and meet Morizora himself. And if you can get to him, he'll grant you one wish. And so throughout the whole game, you find out that Morizora's forest actually pretty much mirrors the hospital itself. So if you can connect one, two to two together, this is actually the boy's dream. During the dream, the boy is trying to help out all the residents of Rakuen to help out the people around him in real life. And then doing all those tasks, the boy finally gets to the guardian, Morizora himself, but he's in a deep slumber because of these uh, envoys, evil spirits that, well, spirits that between the mortal world and the spirit world are incapacitating Morizora to sleep and to wake Morizora up, the boy has to can again help help all those all the people again to learn a special song called the Mori no Kokoro. The boy goes, does everything he can, and finds out that Yami is the final envoy that actually is keeping Morizora asleep. Yami is actually the boy's inner self and inner doubt and depression and pain and sorrow of because of his cancer. The mother and everyone else he's helped start singing the singing the Mori no Kokoro song, getting rid of Yami and soothing the boy of his doubts and everything. Morizora wakes up and the boy asks for his final wish, which was to ride on the boat back to Rakuen. When the when the boy gets on the boat, everyone's happy on the boat except the mother is on the dock still, waving the boy goodbye. As the boy drifts away, the screen fades to white. The boy drifts away and passes away in real life. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, this game is only on PC, so for people who don't like playing PC, I'm sorry, but it is on sale currently. You know what I gotta say about this game? What? Family fun for everyone. I know, right? Well, the thing is, it's so happy, you don't really realize that the boy is actually passing away until the end of the game. And <laughs> so, like, think of, like, 
uh, what town was it in? Uh, one of the towns in Undertale is overly happy. I forgot. It's I forgot the name of the town. Are you talking about Tim Village? Yeah, Tim Village. Think Tim Village. Everyone's overly happy. That's part of, most part of the game. And then like there's also uh, parts of the game where you're inside the dun- inside uh, a cavern. And there's these mushrooms you have to stomp on. There's evil mushrooms and good mushrooms. Uh, the evil mushrooms, I forgot their names. But the good mash- mushrooms are called rad shrooms because they're so rad. <laughs> <laughs> um, truffle shrooms talk like uh, fr- rich British folk that like <laughs> are very posh and everything. It's because beautiful- they're so truffle. Yeah, they're so truffle. <laughs> it's a really good game. Um, I'm a hard sell for it. <laughs> There's actually some uh, two side stories to it, also called Farmer in the Sky, which they are free to watch on Super Shiggy's uh, YouTube. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Woo. So where do we go from there? <laughs> well, um, that's a good question. <laughs> so it's a uh, fucking I, dark episode. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think we better cut this shit off. We're <laughs> we got we I, gotta end on something funny. So. Okay, any, anybody know any funny endings from games just so we can lighten the mood? Uh, Katamari Damachi. Yeah. <laughs> it's Blue Star's favorite game series. I love that game. <laughs> oh, man. So, just one that I thought of when um, I was grabbing a drink of water a little bit ago. Um, this is, goes back to the NES days. Um, if you ever played uh, you know, Super Mario Brothers 1, you know every time you get to one of the castles at the end of the world, it's like, oh, thank you, Mario, but a princess is another castle. It's just the running gag of that game. Until you finally save Peach. Well, in Super Mario Brothers three, they bring that joke back, but they but they put a little twist on it. So when you beat that game, you know you get to Bowser, you finally beat him once again. Uh, you open the door to go find Peach. We go and talk to her, and all of a sudden she's like, "Well, thank you, Mario, but our princess is in another kit and is in another castle." Just kidding! Ha ha ha! The end. <laughs> it's just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I mean, the literal last lines of Katamari Damachi is, "Mother, we need cake." <laughs> that's right yeah they get stuck on the moon yeah <laughs> oh yeah portal has a funny ending of course there we go if you glitch it right you can get the cake Ooh. Yeah, that's where there's a running gag with cakes and games and that was even like katamari Damacy's was even before that portal one so i'm, I'm just gonna assume uh, assume that uh gabe newell saw that ending and he's like we can do cake ending but better <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it a running gag and meme for years there we go Oh, what uh, I think it was, uh, Paul, you were talking about, uh, like Golden Sun and not Golden Sun, Golden Axe, and how like arcade endings had a funny one. There was an arcade game, and I'm looking at it right now, and I'm like, I don't know if this uh, the first or the second, but there's one called Ameridarts. Huh. Um, it was a dart arcade game, and it had a rolling ball, kind of like a lot of golf games had. Um, you, you just rolled the ball to shoot the dart, and when I was in middle school, I used to work at a, you know, quote unquote work. I, I was a, I bowled and every Saturday morning I'd be at the bowl alley for like three, four hours um, doing our league. Well, they recruited kids that were like 10 to 14 or something like that to come in and hang out at the bowling alley over the summer. And this was before uh, automatic scoring was a thing. And we would kind of help out as like junior camp counselors uh you just hung out at the bowling alley you used to have to roll out the bumpers in the morning blow them up with a good old uh vacuum cleaner but then and then like different uh local groups would come in and come bowl during the day bring camp kids in the bowl and we'd keep score kind of show the kids how to bowl 
and every day we could like I'd show up at eight in the morning and my parents wouldn't come pick me up till like four in the afternoon. Well, they'd give us free lunch. They would let us bowl all the time. Like for us kids that like to bowl, like we'd have like three hours of free bowling every day. But also every day we'd get some money. They'd always give us a few bucks to play arcade games. So we played the same arcade games because it's not like the freaking bowling alley would rotate those damn games (laughs) quite a bit. And for Ameridarts, at one, if you missed hitting the dartboard, a little rat would run out and collect the dart and bring it back into his little rat hole um, or mouse hole in the because you were like playing in a bar on the game. And at one point, one of us was like, wow, I wonder if you can hit the rat. And we became obsessed with doing this huh. and having to like really hit a very small target. <laughs> so it became you, you had to miss your first shot. Then you had to hit the rat. And if you did it, it would like stick in the rat. The rat would spin around, like pretend I in the dark turn into like a rose. But if you did this enough times during the play, playing the games, um, the rat would get pissed at you, walk over to where the uh, dartboard was like, you could see a little plug on the screen, and he'd pull the plug on the dartboard, and the whole arcade game would go black for a second. Wow. That's so, funny. Yeah, just like, holy crap, this like dart game from the 80s arcade had little stuff built in. Like, oh, what if you did screw around with that? That's so the cool. whole game itself was just the rat's yeah. brain. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so thinking of, thinking of you talking about arcade endings, that, was, that, that made me think about, oh, what about that weird alternate thing that you could do? And then the game would be over. Like, you know, we, we always had a stack of quarters daily that we would just waste on this, but... <laughs> oh, arcades. You had fun times. Yep, I loved them. Yep, bowling alley, arca- bowling alley arcades. That's what I used to do all the time in my hometown. Stacks of quarters and Gauntlet. <laughs> oh, fun series. I think it was Gauntlet Legends. They put an arcade up the road from us a couple years ago. And of course, it opened six months before the pandemic. So they did last a while, but shut down, I think, about six eight months ago and you know you just paid to get in and everything was on free play and it was only five or eight bucks so i took my boys um half a dozen times and gauntlet legends man we would sit there for an hour and just play that game because it was on free play (laughs) you know my four-year-old my six-year-old at the time if they died who cared just keep hitting play but man the original gauntlet that was fun all right yangus you ready to uh wrap this one up Yell me get all right, yep, I'm good to go now. Uh I didn't quite fix the uh ending here, so uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, ha- we'll have to BS the highlighted part. Right. Um uh, I got the beginning and the end okay, but uh Well don't we usually is... BS a lot of stuff with these anyway, so BS half this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean just kind of a running gag at this point. Yeah, well, uh, that's the end of the end for this uh, pair of episodes of Slime Time SideQuest uh, about games, the end of them. Uh, thank you, Jay and Paul and Lendar for sticking around. Glad to be and, here. Uh, yeah, and thanks to Matt Craft who had to uh, work after he had his part today. So thanks, Matt Craft for joining us live to talk about your favorite game endings. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to get Matt Craft live for that little bit, too, because I know the last few times we've had him on, just uh, he said to record his stuff separately just because of his work schedule. So uh, glad you were able um, 
if you listen to this, Matt Craft, you know, we're glad that you were on. And or of course, we were glad that uh, we had our other three guests on tonight, too. So thanks for joining us to talk about your favorite endings, guys. It was a pleasure. I hope, you don't, I hope you don't cry tonight. <laughs> it's too late. I've, I've been crying the whole time. I'd be crying so anyway. I'm my best to repress the tears right now. <laughs> I'm going to have to go to therapy tomorrow. Just like Clay is going to have to go to therapy knowing that his twinsy is playing uh, Final Fantasy XII. Oh, dear God. Oh, jeez. I'm just going to go play. I'm going to go play my God of Defenders. And, uh, <laughs> wait, God of, God of Protectors. God yeah, of Protectors. Gonna play 12 also. We can just sit here and talk 12 all day long to around Platty. <laughs> oh, man. Well, jeez. I don't know what's worse. Final Fantasy twelve or Patreon. But, uh, <laughs> hey, that's a hey Screw nice Patreon. segue. <laughs> that yeah, how about that segue right there? So I uh, like my fa- I, just to quote my favorite Colin Mockery line from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Wow, nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, here at Slime Time, we don't half inch your hard earned money when we can offer you quality content about all these games that we know and love so much for free. Um, If you do have any money, though, that's just completely burning a hole in your wallet, pouch, bottomless bag, or searchable wall sack, and you would like to donate anything to a website that's been supporting Dragon Quest fans for over 20 years, go stop by the Dragon's Den at www.wudis.com slash den and click on support the site. Wudis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den uh, site for decades, and he personally edits every YouTube version of the podcast, or at least he would if Yankus would get him some damn photos up uh, excuse me and oh, he would up. i'm sure fully appreciate any donation to help keep in the servers running <laughs> yeah 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 get the pictures thing just get the pictures all on get the picture yeah just get the picture get, get the picture <laughs> you sound like um what j oh where's eel when we need him j jameson from from spider-man i need pictures pictures of spider-man <laughs> and pictures of games <laughs> I need pictures uh, of spider-man there we go thank you Oh wow, we got we got uh, J.K. Simmons here. I, that was a surprise. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, s- since this is not the end of SideQuest, if you have any suggestions for future episodes, we'd be happy to hear from you. You can reach out to Platy via his Twitter, PlattyM3, or Discord, or the Dragons Den itself. Uh, you can also contact me, Yangus the Legendary Bandit, on the Dragons Den via personal message or on the Dragons Den Discord. Just uh, look for my name, or if you can look for Platy's name. Uh, we have a list full of ideas, and we'd be happy to add some more or possibly return to a topic we've discussed before if we get enough interest in it. Yeah, we're just not going to have Lendar on to talk more game endings. <laughs> Hey, we I gotta lighten the than, mood. <laughs> I play more than depressing games. <laughs> I mean, we can That's talk about okay. Dragon Quest all again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think uh, it wasn't quite a surprise when uh, Pendy started that off uh, on the last episode, and then Blue Star, and then me. Where I was like, we gotta go in numerical order here for all talking DQ. That was but, pretty uh, funny, though. <laughs> Thinking back on that episode, I was like, okay, that's pretty funny, actually, that we did that. That's pretty good. <laughs> hey, look, I put I put a modicum of thought into it. So uh, No, it was good. I but, liked it. I thought it was good. That was a nice touch. Get them yeah, in, yeah. in chronological order of releases. Hey, hey the, what little I can do, I do. But uh, what little I can do here is sign us off and say, bye, everyone. Side quest complete. We promise next time there won't be quite as much crying. Bye.